technology can lick my fucking balls. Oh, wait. I don't have any. God damn it. You're listening to Tranny Wreck 34. Podcasting from Portland, Oregon, this is Tranny Wreck. On today's show, you're going to hear an interview with a UK trans blogger named Cone Bremner. She also does a podcast on occasion. Stick around, bitches. How the hell is everybody? Today is Sunday, July 23rd, 2006. My name is Rebecca Nay, and you are listening to Tranny Rec Radio. Whether you are listening through my website at trannyrec.com or myspace.com slash trannyrec or transfm, or if you are listening to it in your mind because you have some sort of mental illness or you have downloaded this through podcast or direct download or whatever the hell you're doing. Thank you so much for listening to this show. I love you all. I am having some issues today. They are related to the wonderful field of technology. Well, actually, I'm having a lot of issues outside of the realm of technology in this podcast, which I'm really not going to discuss this week. Um, but uh, And I probably will eventually share with you because all of you, or those of you that have been listening for a while, know the personal nature of this podcast. And uh, you're all fucking voyeurs. That's what you are. God damn it. And I love you, and I'm a voyeur too. Let's not kid ourselves here. Anyway, um, I'm not going to be playing any music on this show because I've been spending the last hour, hour and a half trying to sample and download music on the iMac and my laptop. And I'm just having issues. Um, And it's driving me fucking crazy. And I'm about ready to throw some computers out my fucking window and uh, just scream around in circles. Um, I also, uh, the interview with Cohn Bremner, uh, has been cut short because, well, for some reason, I guess after about 35 minutes, my recording software took a shit. So, um, you're going to, so the interview is going to be about 35 minutes long. Uh, this is going to be because I'm not going to play any music and I'm not really in the mood to read any emails. And I don't have any voicemails. This is going to be a short episode. So if you're here for the music and uh, the fucked up banter, I don't know what the fuck's wrong with you if that's why, um, then this might not be the episode for you. But if you do like the interviews, I do like the interview. This is a good interview. Um, You learn a lot about uh, politics. 
well, I, you know, I talked to Cone Bremer about uh, the situation with trans people in, in the United Kingdom. Just to give you a little bit about who Cone Bremner is before I start this interview, she describes herself on her website, uh, multidimensionalme.uk, which I'm going to link on the show notes of trannyrick.com. She describes herself as a 42-year-old English female Buddhist, music-loving, motorcycle-riding, insomniac, podcasting, video-blogging technologist. Whoa. Now that's a big cock in my mouth just to read all that bullshit. Anyway, no. No, actually, I think you'll find this interview uh, to be very entertaining and informative. Um, The only issue I had with it is some background noise uh, that I did try to remove but was unsuccessful. Uh, So, but it shouldn't really interview with the content just wanted to apologize for that right up front. Here is Cone Bremner. Cone Bremner, thank you so much for joining me on Tranny Rec Radio. You're very welcome. Um, Cone, the, the first question I wanted to ask you, which I ask just about everybody, is how old were you when you recognized that you were different? Um, I think when I first, well, I know that when I first put a label to it. Uh, it was in 1993, so that would have made me 29. But um, I, that was when I first you know, figured out that uh, gender dysphoria or transsexualism, whatever term you want to use, was probably at the root of my situation. But to be honest, I've never felt, I've never felt right throughout childhood, but I just didn't know what it was. I wasn't one of those people who could say at the age of three or four, I knew I, you know, I knew I should have been born a girl. I just knew that something wasn't right. And that's why I kind of used the term different because of the, the flexibility of that term. Because like I said, most people don't at age three or four recognize that, uh, you know, they're transgender or that they should have been, uh, you know, raised in the opposite sex or born in the opposite sex or gender or whatever. But most recognize that something's going on at a very young age. And did you would you say that right around three or four years when you first started recognizing that something was happening that made you stand out from everyone else? Um, I, I I was probably a little bit little bit older than that, but certainly by the time I was six or seven, I mean I, I knew that much as I liked to have you know um, friends who were boys, I wasn't really you know I didn't really. Um, have the same interests, or you know, sort of relate to them in, in the same in the same way as, as other boys did. So in that sense, you know, I was never a member of any you know sort of great childhood gangs or anything like that, or groups of friends. Um, and as as the years went on, I realised that I was, you know I was more comfortable um, when I was with girls, mm-hmm. but I didn't want them as girlfriends in the sense that everybody else seemed to want to certainly as I moved into teens and, and adolescence you know I was I was forever caught in this situation of, of loving being with them, being with them but not wanting to be not wanting to be with them if you know what I mean it just didn't feel right you didn't, when I, you know, so you di- you didn't develop during your teenage years a, a sexual attraction towards women then um, well, I did, but I never, but I always felt stymied, you know, sort of stopped at the point of actually doing anything about mm-hmm. it. And, you know, I'll, I'll tell you, I'm not, I'm not ashamed of it. it. To be honest, I was, you know, I was in my early 20s before I finally, you know, had sexual intercourse with a woman. Okay, well, that's nothing to be ashamed of, that's for, for damn sure. Because, <laughs> <laughs> 
I wasn't in my 20s until I had sexual intercourse of any kind. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> well, the thing was, I mean, but, but, but a lot of my friends, you know, were, um, you know, much, or at least, at least they said they were, and were giving off all of the the impressions that they were. I was in my last year at university, and I, and in the end, I only did it because it, I kind of felt that if I didn't, you know, try it at least once, I probably never would. So it was kind of, let's break the duck and see what it was like. And it was, but it was only ever, you know, at, at, at that point, um, I mean, I. Again, it was, I was only ever thinking about uh, about women. I only ever wanted to to be with women. I was never conscious of, and I certainly can never never recall having had any kind of attraction to towards a man, or even sort of fantasizing about it. So, 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 when you were in your adolescence, you never had any uh, gay confusion, so to speak. I guess is no, I didn't. No, well, so again, not that I can recall, and. I, to be honest, I think this is one of the reasons why it was why I was relatively late in life before I could finally, you know, put a label on why I felt different. Because yes, I'd heard of and read about and even seen on you know television, you know, people who had had sexual reassignment surgery who were, you know classed as transsexuals or trannies or whatever the term that the word today was. But it but it always seemed to be the case that they would then go on to a relationship. With you know, for example, if they were a, a male to female, they would have a relationship with a man. You know, and it, it never the connection never went in my mind that you know that could be me because I thought well even if even if I did that you know I still wouldn't want to be with a man. As I was thinking you know at that particular point, so for me that's why I think it was quite late on before I really finally you know put my finger on it. So did that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does. It does. I uh, my reasons for. For, for for it, the reasons it took me a, a few years to put a finger on it, you know, because I was attracted to boys in my teenage years, and so you know, I definitely had that gay label attached and stuck for quite a while because of solely my sexual orientation. But you know, so in your teen years, was the idea or the desire or the lack of identification with your male gender did, did you feel a lack of identification with being a boy throughout your uh, uh was it 29 when you first recognized hey i don't really want to be male anymore or was that disassociation with the male gender when did that start um it's quite difficult to well it, it's difficult to remember now i I, how can I put it? I always felt different. Mm -hmm. I didn't feel, you know, I didn't feel like I was the the kind of stereotypical uh, male that I saw around me. But I didn't, at that point, identify as being you know, myself as being having. You know, I wish I had been born in a female body. I was just, I kind of felt that I was, you know, somewhere in between, or uh -huh. or, or, or or just something other than than everybody that around me that I knew. You know, I didn't kind of, I didn't kind of fit into either camp. So I basically, you know, went through the pretense of trying to play you know a typically male role and just thinking well you know I, I put it down I, I didn't know whether it was down to the fact that you know that I was um, intelligent or, or not sufficiently intelligent or whatever it was I, I, I didn't have the words or the concepts it, well, it, to kind it of understand it. developed if I understand you correctly because you know people don't most people don't wake up one day and go oh I'm a transsexual it kind of like after years and years and years of, uh, of trying to figure out what's going on around you and internally 
it, it kind of, it's kind of a slow realization. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I sorry. And that that was my experience, anyways. Yeah, it's I, I I'm trying to remember if there was one particular incident um, that that triggered it. You know, to say at the age of 29 that actually finally made me realise you know, when that point. I can remember I can remember when in the year it happened, but I can't remember if there was an actual you know single incident. But the fact is, I'd had I'd recently gone through and was coming out of quite a severe. Uh, you know, a very severe bout of depression, and and basically, I was in the, the frame of mind of thinking there has to be something underpinning this. You know, why is this? Why is this happening to me? I learned a lot about depression after that, and there needn't have been something, but at that point, the pieces started to fall into place, and you know, and I, and I realised what it was, and it took me years. Did you get? To did you get married? Yeah, I did, and I was already married at this point. I, you know, I got married at the age of twenty-five. I'd been married about three, just over, well, over three years at this point. Um, and because you know, again, I, you know, I, I met her and we related as people, and I, and I, you know, and I, and I really wanted, I wanted to, I wanted to be with her, and I thought, in a sense, as I guess many people do, maybe it would help sort out some of the confusion in my mind. Um, sadly, that wasn't to be the case. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, and that's understandable. So, um, brain fart. I should write down questions. I used to do that earlier, hey, no but I've gotten lazy. Um, do you? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the honest to God truth. Okay, so so as far did you now as far as employment goes? Did you try? Did you choose a, a profession? that to try and you know assert your masculinity to convince yourself that you were like everyone else well uh, when I was when I was at university um, I'd actually my intention at that point was to go into into the army uh, but I, I managed I was in the reserve forces while I was at university and I managed to injure my knee quite badly in fact very badly on an assault course uh, and I spent the next 18 months trying to, to, to rehabilitate my knee and then continuing to re-injure it I had surgery on it and in the end for, for that reason I knew that I wasn't going basically they weren't going to take me you know and, um, and the reason you know, I asked that question is because there seems to be a huge correlation between yeah. trans women and past military service there's just yeah. such a high percentage of trans women that have been in the military and I, I honestly think that has something to do with this idea that they need to prove to themselves that they really are not you know women that they're you know they need to prove the ma masculinity to themselves you know I, yeah I, I thought the army was going to turn me into was going to make a man out of me it worked <laughs> like a charm <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I kind of, I kind of fell into it by the by the back door, and I actually found that it was as much to do with you know the people that I was with in the in the reserve forces, uh, and really and really connecting with them and thinking, well, maybe now I'd finally found my niche. Uh, as it turned out, as I say, because of injury, I couldn't then go into the into the regular army. Uh, and with the benefit of hindsight, I'm glad I didn't, because it would have been a mistake. I, I mean, other things, you know, depression and so forth. If they had caught up with me while I was actually serving, while I was responsible for other people, you know, heaven knows what would have happened. So I'm I'm not sorry in in that sense it didn't happen. Uh -huh. And then and then after that, I'd I'd graduated from university. I owed money, um, so I took the first job that was offered to me, which was in a bank. Hated it, left after a year, and then basically fell into a succession of, or, or ended up onto a, you know, a sales, um, 
and then moving into into computers and IT um, profession, um, and and basically threw myself into work, and I, I guess to an extent tried to so, so cover up you're, you're the cracks everywhere else by working. Th- this background, because you are a blogger primarily, mm-hmm. and so this, uh, so you really from a very young age also got involved with uh, this technology that is now developed. Uh, you, have you had an interest in technology from a very young age? Then I take it. Oh yeah, I'd say so, and uh, and that's probably about the and that's probably the underlying theme. Um, and and uh, it's, to be honest, I got involved in it professionally initially through trying to sell the solutions, but then always realizing that I was less interested in selling them than actually in building them, and creating them, and consulting on them, and and that kind of thing. But I was always tinkering with technology at school or uh, or at university. And you know now you know I'm getting on in on in years. I'm 42, so it's the best part of you know 20 years well, since I graduated from university. And um, what university? And I went to to Cambridge in England. Oh, okay. Um, I think a few so. people in America have heard of that. Heard of that <laughs> university? <laughs> um, what 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 would you say now? You, you transitioned it right around 29, and you, so you're 42 now. Well, so. well, no, I didn't. I, no, I didn't. No, this is the thing. I didn't transition at 29. I, I think, I, you know, I became aware that that gender dysphoria was probably my was probably my issue at the age of 29. So that's kind but of it was in, in a, my mind. That's kind of the start, even if it's nothing more than in your head. Yeah, but then it was, as I say, it was it was actually then another six years before I never told before I told another soul, and I went through a repeating cycle of depression and 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 in fact suicide attempts. But it came to it came to a head in would have been 1999. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is six years on from that when basically you know I've been married at this point nearly ten years, and 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 sat down with my wife one day and basically explained the, you know, the situation. And you know, and sadly, you know, our our marriage was not going to survive that that particular revelation. And within you know, within a matter of months, we'd separated, and a year later, you know, we divorced. And it was amicable. And you know, I, I was it due? You know, would I you was, say a lot of it was due to your transgender identity, uh, or were there other things going on? And the transgender uh, issue just kind of was the icing on the cake. I think I mean we we had changed as people and, and people do grow yeah. apart and uh, and this is why you know I think it's great when people you know marry and remain married for many years if that's right for them but the fact is the people we are at 25 may not be the people we are at 35 oh, yeah, or, or 45 or 55 I think it's Tell the I mean it's, I think we it's are fair at to say 25 are not the people we are at, we are at 30 either <laughs> well, quiet. So, I mean, we'd had, we'd had, you know, we'd had ten years of marriage. Um, she'd been aware for the for the last couple of years of that, at least. That there was something, you know, something was on my mind, but that that I'd never been able to, to express. So, so, yes, I think it's possible that we would have separated anyway. But but certainly this was, if you like, it was the the final nail in the coffin. And it wasn't, you know, and it wasn't a horrible, you know, um, destructive split. We were, you know, and she respected my privacy, and she didn't tell people. She didn't even tell the people in her family, you know, the real reason why we had split until possibly much later. And I don't actually have any contact with her anymore, so I don't know, you know, I don't know that even if her family even know even now why we split. So. Yeah, 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 I know, and I understand that. Now, when you started to realize that the, that. You were transgender in one way or another at age 29. Uh-huh. Did, did, now I'm trying to think. You said what year was that? 
So that would have been 90, 1993. Okay, so the internet really wasn't available to everybody at that time. Because I know, like for myself, without the internet, I'd probably be married in a Mormon family with children. Uh, <laughs> you know. And I'm guessing that wouldn't have been an ideal outcome for you. No, no, it wouldn't. I'd probably, either that or I'd be dead. Uh, yeah. So, did the, was it, what was it, was there information available to you that, to help you realize? Because for me, it wasn't until, you know, I read about and met other transgender people that I said, hey, you know, that's me. Was it? Well, I mean, the, 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 it was early days for, for the publicly available internet, but I did have access to it. Initially, I started off, I was a subscriber on CompuServe, uh -huh. and then when they added internet access on in probably about 94, I think it would have been, then then that's when I, yes, I came across, you know, places and information you and, came and forums. You came, came across tranny porn, didn't you? You saw that and but, said, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's me. <laughs> I well, I, I'm, I'm going to take the fifth on that one. I'm a chick um, with a dick, a she-male. Yeah, baby. Where do I put do myself up on this side? No. Uh, that, that's the, the not-so-pleasant side of the internet. Yeah, at least. It wasn't... It, it, I don't... I, I mean, I don't recall that anything like that was the... Was the uh, <laughs> you got me laughing now. I know, um, I'm such a was, bitch. I... Yeah, that's cool. That, 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 that's it. the last thing that I want people to do when they're either listening to or involved with training rec radio is to laugh. That's evil. Oh, I'm sorry. Then I shall, I shall stop laughing laugh. immediately. This is not a no, comedy okay. show. Damn it! No, I'm kidding. No, this is life, and life's ter horribly <laughs> serious all the time. Yes, it is. Now it was, it was, it was, it was, re it was re basically it was reading about other people's experiences and 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 really working out, you know, the if you like the, the points of commonality. You know, where was what they were saying. You know, that their life stories, how did they intersect with mine? And the problem was, you know, and I was desperately trying to find any excuse or any way of saying, no, actually, that's not me, that's not it. Because I couldn't, to be honest, I couldn't bear the thought of actually having to accept that I was, you know, transsexual or transgender and would have to either go through transition and be ostracized and laughed at and made homeless and, and all the rest of it, all those things that I guess a lot of people fear. You know, I, I just couldn't see that. I couldn't see me getting through that and, uh, and surviving. After all the bullshit that I went through through dealing with my Mormon feelings and coming out as a gay male, once I realized I had to come out again, I was like, you know, I, I put up several years of resistance of just trying to convince myself that, hey, I can be okay in the role of just being a gay male that loves to do drag a lot more than anybody else. <laughs> um, you know, but then I, I, I eventually realized, okay, is this, is there something going on that's more than clothing? Because if there's something going on with me that's more than just clothing, then just I, living and identifying as a gay male drag queen is not going to work. You know, and what? and so so that was kind of the tipping point for me when I realized it just wasn't about the panties or whatever you want to <laughs> other articles of clothing you want to uh, throw in there. Um, so 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 now you, you know you after you divorced and you uh, did you go full time so to speak pretty much after well, that. Well, my intention, and the, the reason, I mean, the reason for sitting her down and saying that this is the situation, because I felt at that point that I didn't have a choice. I would have to, you know, I would have to transition completely. So I, I, I moved away 
um, rented a small uh, place and basically started to to, to to try to experiment to see whether I could you know be sufficiently good at, at dressing and makeup to be able to do that. Now, what what, what, what area of the country? Now you what area of the country was it? This was still in the UK or? Yeah, I was I was still in the UK. I'd been living in the in the central part of the UK for the last ten years, but I moved I moved about a hundred miles away, basically so that for her sake, so that I wouldn't be bumping into you know our mutual friends or family who didn't know if you like the reasons you know the real reasons why we'd we'd separated. Yeah, so I, by this stage, I was actually I'd actually moved back across to Cambridge. And that's a very um, common uh, thing to do. It seems at least I think for those that. Uh, want to transition it's almost essential to get yourself in a in completely new environment i know yeah. you know when i moved from salt lake city to portland oregon um i i wasn't sure whether i was going to transition but as soon as i moved to portland and i realized portland's a lot more liberal than than salt lake sure. city is i i'm like okay <laughs> this is where i've got to you know make my move so so it is common to just kind of Put yourself in a completely new area. I think it makes things a lot easier. Yeah. The but the uh, the the thing that happened for me though was that even though I was in an environment now that was probably going to be more conducive to doing it, I I'd still convince myself that I would not be that you know the, the classic kind of doubts. I wouldn't be passable. You know that, and that I would become just basically someone who is as well as feeling um, awful on the inside would be would look stupid and ridiculous on the outside. And basically came to the conclusion that you know, much as this might be who I was, I couldn't successfully transition. So I just had to knuckle down and find a way through it. And then spent you know more years going through cycles of depression and you know suicide and, and what have you until I basically had a complete emotional meltdown. So so so, so how so so if I'm understanding this correctly, you once you transitioned, you, you it was very hard for you at first. Were you? Were you getting a lot? Were you getting a lot of ridicule from people around you? No, uh, no, I did not. What was the environment like that you were transitioning in, as far as socially goes? Well, well, at, 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 as I say, at this point, I hadn't. I really hadn't transitioned. I was, I was, as I was trying to establish in the privacy of my own home whether I could convince myself that I would be okay. able to do it, and I wasn't. So it actually wasn't. Finally, on the timeline, it wasn't until about August or September of two thousand and three. That I realised, you know, I really was one step away from, you know, from 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 finally ending it, uh, and that, you know, whether I was going to be successful at it or not, it was the only thing left for me to do, and that was the point at which I actually decided to transition. So, so, and so it took a, an, an an internal battle. Uh, just a, one of the things I'm, I I like to read when I do interviews, I like to recap what people say, mm -hmm. so I make sure that I'm understanding where you're coming from. Sure. Because I'm not, I'm not the best listener in the world. Plus, it, it makes. <laughs> plus, I think it, it makes things easier for for listeners to really sure. understand somebody's story when it's kind of rehashed, you know, twice. Um, so, so, so you had a really several years of struggling. You, you, you knew you wanted to socially transition, yeah. even though you moved into a new environment. Your biggest enemy was yourself then. Definitely, uh -huh. and and the thing that helped me through that was I then I was in basically by this stage I was in a relationship with somebody who who had known about my you know about my uh, gender dysphoria 
from before, you know, basically from before we'd even met, mm -hmm. you know, before we'd even met in person, and she'd been very supportive about it, but on the on the basis that you know, understanding how I felt inside helped her to understand why I behaved how I did on the outside, but but fine, and then and she'd helped me to basically come to accept myself. And that was almost like opening, you know, the, the, the genie, you know, pulling the, the cork out of the bottle and the genie getting out. And once the genie was out, you know, then it wasn't going back in. And she was the first person who actually saw me dressed. That's an interesting know, uh, 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 analogy there, because yeah, the genie in the bottle. Yeah, it's so true. Once you start the transition, you know, if you, you know, the, usually there's there's no going back, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Well, if it's if it's, if it's if it's if it's the right thing, if it's the right thing for the person, yes. I mean, if it isn't, you know, and they've kind of well, you know, latched it, onto it, this. And it as also isn't that 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 simple either. I, I just uh, interviewed uh, uh, recently. I just had on my show um, Robin Goldstein from the Schnauzer uh -huh. Logic on the you know mm -hmm. one of the Trans FM shows, and she transitioned, detransitioned, and retransitioned, and. You know, uh, you know, like I said, you'll have to listen to the interview. I, I split it into two shows, but her story is very interesting. So, yeah, I when I say that uh, most, for you know, for most of us, when we start to transition, there's no going back. It's not always the case, but 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 I would say easily for most, it probably is. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was definitely the right thing for me. Right. And once I'd come to the point of, of realizing, yes, I had to do it, then really there didn't seem a whole lot of point in waiting. Yeah. And and so from from it was only it was really a matter of weeks from from talking to to, to my partner then uh, to actually then transitioning. And I was I had been I had started working about six months previously for a, a small software company so almost the first thing I did was to go to them you know and basically explain the situation and I kind of half expected to be asked to leave the company and that wasn't the case you know I was I was so fortunate and I think I was subconsciously looking for a company where I would feel safe to transition if it ever came to it when I was deciding who to work for okay but, so, and I was okay, so, so, so fortunate that I actually found a company where that would be the case so, so, so while you were working out the transition within yourself obtaining the courage to go full-time you had found a company that uh, that was going to accommodate you and it sounded and they did yeah, they did definitely. I mean, I didn't know for sure that they would until I until I asked them. And there were only about twenty five people working at the company, so it's and a it was it was a small business in you know yeah. in the central UK then. That's correct, and it was a predominantly male environment. There were, I think, two women working for the company at that point, maybe three. Um, but they but they really could not have been you know more supportive and it was quite I'm mean, like I can remember the day it was the 16th of October 2003 and we'd kind of engineered a session whereby I was giving a, a you know a, an upfront um, tuition on one of the areas of my specialisms and then at the end said oh by the way you know, we've just got a short announcement and in the space of about seven minutes explained to the assembled workforce you know this was with the agreement of the board of directors you know and this is how it would go on and the and the chairman of the company immediately got up and said i think this is great oh, you know that, that awesome. someone like me yeah he you know they could not have could not have been more supportive and you know to my probably to my dying day i will always thank you know thank my lucky stars that that this happened for me because i know so many people who don't have an easy time in the workplace they're either fired or demoted or well, treated like dirt well, or any of those I, things and i want to follow up with you on that that i wanted to make about it's really interesting how those of us that do have to make an abrupt transition you know during our job or the first day we show up in our new gender at work 
Mine was, uh, you, you always remember that day. It's like another birthday or anniversary. Mine was uh, <laughs> July 30th, 2002. Uh, uh -huh. It was the first day that I just went full-time and started socially identifying in the female uh, gender and, uh, and, you know, through my employer. Now, I'm still working for the same employer that I transitioned for. And what my experience has been, while my employer was absolutely wonderful um, in helping me transition, and they, I, I honestly believe that they did at that time and still try to make a cons an effort to create as inclusive environments possible, it's kind of impossible to do that for, you know, you know, for, you know, for everybody. Basically, you know, while my transition was very a good experience, what I have found is the longer I am at this place of employment, the harder it is for me to stay there. Uh, did you, uh, well, you know, I, I, I kind of insert that uh, once you transition on a job, you probably should look for a new one. Uh, what's, well. what's your, because, you know, invariably you're going to have problems there because... You know, some people can't get past seeing you uh, the way you used to be. Well, what, what's your what's your experience there? You you had a, a smooth transition. Are you still working there? Well, I mean, the situation is that on the uh, in January of this of this year, basically, effectively, I took a sabbatical, so you know, a, an extended break to you know because I was exhausted, you know, I needed some time off, it had been quite a high powered, you know, quite a very intense and, uh, and demanding job that I've been doing. Mm -hmm. um, I think in all honesty, I won't be going back. Um, I will be looking to either move, you know, move to a, a similar position for, for a different company or to, to change direction completely. Um, the did thing the, is... Did the environment slowly start to change against you uh, the it wasn't you that, there? No, I don't think that's the case, but you do make a point that the you know, people, you know, it's questionable how much they will be able to, to then see you as the person you have become rather than the person they originally knew. And I think that that was, you know, I, I kind of accepted it, but, but didn't want it to always have to be that way. You know, it'd be mm -hmm. nice to walk into a new environment for them to, to, to take you as the person you are and to not know your history unless you choose to tell them. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and you see, I don't have a particular issue with people knowing that I am, you know, transsexual, but I'd sooner, it, you know, it wasn't the first thing they knew about me, and I'd sooner that they only knew if I choose to share that information with them. I don't want anybody them. to know I'm a transsexual. I, That's why yeah, well, I'm on the internet, <laughs> advertising <laughs> it to the world. <laughs> well, quite. I mean, you know, and, and to be honest, that was the very first question I asked myself before I ever set word to, to you know, to, to web page on a, on my blog was that you know once you start this, you know, it's going to stay there in the stay stealth. Yeah. Exactly. In the age of Google, you know, you're going to be you're going to be accessible and searchable. So either completely do it anonymously to the extent that that's possible or, or don't do it anonymously and accept that you know it's always going to be there behind you and I'm not ashamed of who I am and I'm not ashamed of, of the path I've taken to get here I didn't ask to be born this way mm -hmm. you know I just chose finally how to deal with it yeah exactly um, you don't you know, and I'm not, I'm not going to apologize to anybody for that because you know they haven't you know they can criticize me when they've been through the same pro process and until they have they have no right to criticize me and I don't I don't take their criticism you know they can yell at me and it'll just slide off me the, the, the so, disadvantage uh, that comes with you know because you spend because most of us spend a significant 
part of our lives at work, earning an income. And the mm-hmm. disadvantage of being in an environment where your coworkers know about your transgenderism is you're, you know, whether they, regardless of how accepting they may be of you or, or how friendly of an environment you're in, uh, you are judged differently if, if, yeah. if the information that you are transgender is public knowledge. You are judged differently. You are seen in a light that's complete. Everything I do, whether it's talking about, I mean, everything we do in our society has a uh, gender role attached to it. That men do this, women do that. And everything I do, whether it's talking about sports or cooking, um, (laughs) you know, people are looking at me differently because of my identification. And that's not always easy to deal with, especially if you're still working in an environment where you did transition before. You know, it's like because... They people, uh, you know, we live in such a black and white society. They want you to conform either one way or another, and I didn't trend. I, I, I couldn't stand trying to conform to what society expected me to be as a male, and I sure as hell didn't transition just to conform to what society expects of women either. You know, I transitioned to be myself, and I, I think that's probably the case for most trans people. It's certainly, it's certainly the case for me, and, and 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 now because of what's happened to me relatively recently, I can you know I can quite clearly state that that all of the that everything that I went through from really from 1993 to the early part of this year was about finding a sense of peace between me and my body, about finding a way to, to live you know as my my personality, my identity inside the body you know that I have to walk around in, and now I'm at the stage where it's about defining well who am I. In, in the world around me, you know, who, who, who is Cohen Bremner? You know, what does she want to do with the rest of her life? How much of her history does she want people to know or not to know? What is my, you know, where do I go from here? And that's one of the reasons why I really haven't podcast for the last seven months. You, you, okay, excuses, excuses. Well, guess what? Yeah, I'm forcing, I one of the reasons. I'm, I'm forcing your voice to be to, to get on the internet now, so I'm doing it for you here. Well, fair enough. No, no, you know, it's understandable. I mean, I mean, you looking at your site. Uh, you want to give our listeners your your website, your blog. It's yeah, I mean the, the the blog's called multidimensional.me, uh, and the website the earl is uh, www.multidimensional. That's um, do I need to spell that? Multidimensional.me.uk. Um, so, okay. So the people just need to go if they re- want to go to your site, they can just go to trainingrep.com, and it will be in the show notes. Um, so yeah, okay. there's really no need to yeah, if they can't spell tranny wreck then i'm not sure why they're listening to this show um so but well and see here's the thing i i i've been waiting anticipating your next podcast but when you know when i go to your website so i'm not much of a blog reader i'm just too lazy to do that unless sure. i can get away with doing it at work i generally don't <laughs> i generally don't uh probably best if your of, employers don't hear that yeah my yeah my employer is it, well, it, the the whole issue of web surfing, well, at work, uh, you know, that's that's a whole that's a whole another topic there that we can go sure. into. Uh, it, it's not it's not something my employer doesn't know that I or just about everyone else does. It's just a matter of uh, my view is as long as you get your work done and do what they they pay you to do, it shouldn't matter. But anyway, that's, right. you know, I'm fair enough. 
I, I've been to your website, and I'm like, God, now I understand why she doesn't podcast very often, because there's, <laughs> because your site is very rich with content, and uh, yeah. so you you know you're definitely I can definitely see that, you know that that blogging is definitely your primary passion, and that what and that's what uh, keeps you uh, busy, and so so. Well, and, and well, that, I, well, I'll tell you. Oh, sorry, I was going to say uh, the thing is. I mean, I I started off doing the blogging, uh, and that would have been. I mean, the first time that I publicly blogged was October two thousand and four. And it was within a matter of months. I mean, it was literally oh, weeks even, probably only about six or seven weeks that a friend of mine at work said, hey, you know, um, have you heard about this podcasting thing? And I didn't know what a podcast was. And um, and I thought, well, this would be a fantastic... So, so basically I started, you know, kind of like a, you know, a very low-key podcast called VoiceOver, which was a... And the reason I did it was as a kind of a voice experiment. Now, by now, your listeners will probably have heard my voice and think to themselves... She doesn't actually have a very convincing female voice, and I know that I don't. Well, you, you, I would have to say I think yours is probably more convincing than mine. So, the the thing was, well, I was, you know, I, I knew it was always going to be my my toughest, you know, my toughest sell in in being passable in the outside world. So I thought, well, let's let's try and, you know, as you said, I'm a technologist. I wanted to experiment with this technology. So let's try a little experiment. How about if I do a podcast and I never mention my gender and I never mention gender dysphoria or anything like it and and see at what point a random listener to one of those episodes would think, oh, you know, would either think, would not think that automatically listening to a male or would actually think, oh, I'm listening to a woman, you know, and wouldn't know the difference. And at that point, I'd kind of, I would know that I'd, you know, my voice was now sufficiently good. Now, we never actually got to that point because that podcast was about music and I would basically talk about, you know, songs that I'd that really meant something to me from my past. And, um, okay, one last thing is that um, partly because people have been giving me grief about it, I have today recorded, uh, seven months after the last one, another session of Crossover, which is my gender um, podcast. It should be up tomorrow. And there will be... T- and there will be two more. One, one which is a, a, a follow-on to that one, and the other one I will, I, I've taken an undertaking. I will record a session after my voice surgery, which will probably be in, you know, in a, in a couple of months' time, so people can hear the outcome. Hopefully, it'll be a good outcome. But if not, then they'll have had a, a cautionary tale about why not to have it. So there will, there will be more. <laughs> That was Cohn Bremner. Uh, the interview I had with her it was actually is the first part of June while I was on vacation. Um, Cohn, I want you to. Th- I want to thank you for uh, taking the time to speak with me uh, on this show, and uh, I would encourage all of you to go check out her podcast and her blog and everything that she's got going on at Multidimensional Me. Uh, dot. Oh shit. Multidimensional dot multidimensional dot me dot uk. Uh, the links on my fucking web page at trannyreg dot com. Um, the the message board has been rather inactive, not only by you guys but by myself. Um, I'm going to. I'm kind of deciding whether I want to keep it going or going or not. Uh, I probably will. What I'm going to end up doing is the show feedback board on my forum. I'll probably end up removing that as I get uh, trainingrec.com transition from just a website to also a blog. Because I do want to start blogging as well, uh, along with podcasting. 
Um, and so, so that's kind of what I'm still working on. Like I said, uh, lately I've just been so unmotivated to do geeky stuff. Um, because of all the other things going on in my life, which I know it's probably a shitty excuse, but that is my excuse right now, and uh, I'm fucking sticking to it. So, uh, my voicemail line, I'd love you to help create content for the show, 503-608-7363, or 503-60-USE-ME is the easy way to remember that. My email, trannyrack at gmail.com. For those of you that have sent me emails and I haven't replied, I do apologize. Uh, I get sidetracked and distracted. And sometimes when I log into the computer, I have time and I'm in the mood to write email. And sometimes I'm not. But it's not for a lack of appreciation for you sending it. I'm, I'm starting to get some feedback from trans people especially trans musicians who are interested uh, in the sh- in having their music on the show, and that is fucking awesome. I love it. So, um, you know, like I said, that that's kind of where I'm at right now. And, uh, well, until next week when I will possibly have more for you as to what's going on in my life. Um, that's all I've got for this week. Uh, You've got my email, you've got my voicemail. Uh, My name is Rebecca Nay. You already know that by now because you've been listening to this show. So I'm going to quit rambling and, uh, well, I'm used to playing songs. So I think that's what's fucking me up. I don't know how to end this show without a song, but I'm going to do that now. I love you all and, uh... We'll uh, catch you next week.